The official podcast of the Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. The Leaky Cauldron. Do you hear that, Ern? The Leaky Cauldron. Just go. You're wasting time. Welcome to Pottercast, your number one source for news, series, discussion, and interviews with people from the Potter books and films. I know a small amount myself, having written the books. My name is Jakey Rowling. I am now happy to introduce your hosts, Melissa, John, and Sue. In fact. All right, it's Podcast 211. It's our holiday episode. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. 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 I'm sick. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> It's a podcast. It's a podcast. Uh, once again, we are the Podcast crew, and we're bringing you lots of holiday cheer this 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 week, this year. I'm Melissa. I'm here with John Frack and Sue. Hello. And and we've got lots of fun stuff coming this week, like what, John? Oh, I can't even tell you. It's too much. <laughs> well, I, I I bet you could you could if you really tried. I'll do my best. We're going to have some news. We're going to have some Sue's news. We're going to have some Potter Pundits. I don't know why I'm singing it. Potter Pundits Christmas style. Christmas and we're gonna style. Have, speaking of Christmas style, we're going to have some filks. Yay! We're going to have some filks some like we're filking the intro right now. And we're going to have some sort of. <laughs> finale of the acting troupe. Oh finale my god. Oh my Merry Christmas. It's Merry Christmas because troops. it's finale of the acting troupe. You've been waiting. For a long time for that. Goodbye, Elvis of a roof. Well, I think it's time to get into the news. All right. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um, what have okay. we got going? Uh, we do. We're going to talk about our friend Dan Radcliffe because we love Dan. Yeah, we I do don't love care Dan. Dan. No, no, not yeah. so much. No. <laughs> Who's Dan? Um, he, Dan. He's that boy <laughs> who lived. He oh. plays Harry Potter. Yeah. The one everybody thinks that we don't like, but That's we love. Right. I don't know where they got this idea. But. I don't know. Um, I like him even more since Equus. I don't know what you guys. John. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, speaking of Equus, he is uh, the subject of a new book called One Day in the Life of, and it's One Day in the Life of Dan Ratcliffe, and then a photographer named Tim Halen, I think his name is, um, went and spent the entire day from when Dan is waking up all the way through when he was, uh, <laughs> when Dan Ratcliffe was doing Equus in um, New York, wow. and he's put together a series of photographs in this book, and all the proceeds from the book are going to be um, donated to Broadway Cares Equity Fights for AIDS, Aww. and so now we've just uh, heard from the uh, photographer himself that there's a video up on YouTube, and there's a lot of great preview scans, and you can order the book on our website, and um, it's really just, I mean, he's got unprecedented access to Dan, so and it's really... It's a, it's a photo um, kind of... Yes. It's mm-hmm. a photo thing following? Wow. Diary for the day. Yeah. Wow, it's really... Cool. Now, is it just on Dan, or is it just Dan has a chapter? Just Dan. Just purely Dan. I know that, like... This this photographer is going to do like other people like Rufus Wainwright, Wainwright who's oh, the singer, cool. is coming up and and but this is really it's really neat. He did a lot of these are really highly some are really uh, stylized like black and white and some you know it's just it's really uh, there's a lot of unguarded moments as they say and I thought that's pretty brave of Dan to like say okay here I am here mm. here's me you know I like there was one preview photo of him like crouched over his computer checking probably checking email the way that we all do right when we get out of bed and yeah. you know wow. you know it was just so very and leaky was on the screen right of it course was. isn't that of weird course. 
That's so weird. You know, and he was yeah. upset because Pottercast uh, wasn't downloading fast enough because the Wi-Fi yeah. at, the, at the theater mm-hmm. was blocked. Yeah. He's like, what and- the hell is that dog doing in the picture frame? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so freaking confused. Well, Dan is a Hufflepuff. You know, he would have that up there. So, That's hey, there you go. True. He did say on the, on the commentary thing that yeah. he was a Hufflepuff, yeah. which yeah. I, thought, <laughs> I thought was Made cool. me oh, is incredibly happy, but yeah. So you can uh, check out more. We have the links on our website. So please, or Leaky Cauldron website. You should please check it out. It's wonderful. Um, next up, this is one thing I've been so excited about. Um, the Lego Harry Potter game is coming out and f- now, according to Amazon, in February, on February 23rd. Very excited. And we just saw a new preview yeah. of the video game. And this is cool because you're going to be able to play through uh, year one, year two, year three, and year four. But you can like... Um, the characters, right? Yes, you can play a character. So you could want to play as Quirrell. You can have him go hang out with Mad Eye Moody in year four. Which that's is... bizarre, but like that's <laughs> Voldemort in there. I know. So we we get to see Voldemort like be birthed. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I suppose so. That's but, a like, weird looking you know... Lego. Yeah, but you know they were talking about how they were going to make it scary. It was funny because there's a blog on the, the official website from the game, the producer, and he was talking about how they're going to make it fun for like Voldemort when he goes to drink the blood of the unicorn. But the the character is going to go up with like a little fork and knife, and I just think that's really <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right, well if they're adding humor, then I guess that's probably a little more interesting. And the characters seem I think to it's have funny that you're like totally not liking it, John. I've never been amused at the idea of of. It just seems like, like a cheat. Like no. they don't feel like designing no. actual true to life characters, so they put them together with plastic blocks. No, 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 no. It's funny. The Legos like have their own their own little personalities, mm-hmm. and you can go you. you can go beat up. Like I, I frequently have uh, Han Solo beat up Leia. I don't know why. I just <laughs> wow. like doing <laughs> it. <laughs> No, wow. you can you can if you get too near them, it gets confusing, and you just you you hit the wrong person, and they explode into Lego pieces, and then they get put back yeah. together. So Which it's is, a lot of fun because, and then Leia also slaps Han Solo, like she slaps him yeah. across the face. It's just right. really, it's really a lot of humor, and I can't even imagine with the fertile ground that Harry Potter oh, is what they're going to do. Wow. I, you know, I hope because the when they made the game, they put you know the Ewok voice in the movie, and the Ewoks are the, one of my favorite parts of the Star Wars game, and I hope that they do that for like the pe- the pixie attack for Lockhart's class I bet that will just be hysterical Ah. you know (laughs) see in the in the Star Wars one you have to collect all these little Lego blocks these Mm -hmm. little things that you 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 destroy things and you have to go around collecting them and the more you get the more points you get and things you can buy etc and I'm wondering what the equivalent of that will be in the Harry Potter one it'll still be Lego blocks it'll still be Lego blocks because it's all points Legos well they're not actual blocks they're like little I don't know what they are but you're right they probably will still be Lego Pretty are they cool, actually though, made with like Legos that if you went to the store and bought Legos, you could make the characters that they're using? Or I think ninety percent like, of it. Yes. A bunch yes, of pieces? yes, yes. They're based on the like the minifigures. You know, I you know they're going to revive the the minifigures. You know, the Lego game. You know, I have a lot of those Legos from before, and they're going to revive those and sell those. But there's going to be those little minifigures. So eventually, you know, you're going to have your own like. <laughs> You can have your own Cedric Diggory, which oh I know is thrilling. Gosh. You know, John. What if they don't make Dollish in it? <laughs> then we will go to Times Square with should. picket signs <laughs> in the middle of the winter and tell them to free him. Stop! Thank you, thank you for that. Nice, nice. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's okay. I want to play it. Me, oh, me too. I'm psyched. I don't know. They Hopefully, we'll get it for man. the. Um, it will be on the Macintosh Apple phone. I can't wait for them to send oh, us a review so. copy so we can tell our audience about it. Uh, I know. Oh, hopefully. Lego people, if you are listening, 
Well, I don't think we can get it <laughs> I now. I want to know what's next in the news, Suze. I want to know that you know that this is the end of, you know, 2009. And no. as such, we're also coming to the end of our decade. And so there's been a lot of, like, reflecting back on, on the time that was. And two really excellent pieces of news have been released. And one was from Scholastic that did, a, um, like, a retrospective, uh, you know, of all the milestones that the mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter books have had, you know, here, especially here in the United States. It's just amazing to look back at, you know, like, look back at the Order of the Phoenix. You know, they had 6.8 million copies. I mean, what, wow. you know. And it just, you know, and it's, it's just really remarkable, but how much not only did the books impact us, but, you know, I mean, in terms of the economy, and and there was also another article relating directly to the economy, like where they were talking about when the films end, when Deathly Hallows is done making, you know, when they're done making the final movie, that David Heyman said there'll be 800 people that will be unemployed. Yeah, that's wow. That's like the, the, the way to stuff with the um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, that's Crazy. just an extraordinary... When you but put like, both of these things in perspective... They also have Hallows on their resume. Well, that's true. Yeah. They, they did work on Duffy Hallows, so they're not exactly... I mean, it'll be bene- more beneficial for maybe some people than, than others, but, I mean, I guess you have to consider all of them, every every position from you know, your wardrobe and makeup and crew and mm-hmm. your, all those people. and Wow. Also, some actors will be looking for work. Yeah. They have a large cast now. Yeah, they do. You know, a lot of the older ones are, are perhaps more established. And I think, you know, the trio will obviously have a very good career. But, you know, people like Tom Felton and stuff are doing, you know, quite well oh, launching gosh, their career. Yeah. But you hope that yeah. some of the other ones will be able to find success as well. I think know. Matt Lewis will be okay. I worry about, yeah. like, like the Phelps twins and, you know, yeah. them. Because it's in, in British, unless they go out to Hollywood, like, British film, just, there's just fewer British films. Because that's the nature of the industry. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, you know. I can see um, one of the twins. He's really into the whole behind-the-scenes stuff. I had no idea he yeah. took it so serious. It's really awesome. Yeah, a lot of them have seemed to have. I mean, we always talk about them having good heads on their shoulders, but a lot of them seem to be really focusing on what to do afterwards and not relying on. Well, I'm an actor. I was in Harry Potter. I can act for the rest of my life. True, like Bonnie's, yeah. Bonnie's into into art and did like study on the art stuff. Um, you know, Ivana's very crafty, and you know, James Phelps was doing all that. Director was it Oliver? I forget which one. I think it was one. James. I don't alike. know. And I think, isn't Bonnie getting her degree and, you know, going to film too? You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, you know, so. Well, even Emma's decided, you know, well, I don't she, really need to act unless. She doesn't need to know. do anything. She's set no. for her life. Uh, I can't believe that she was named, like, the yeah. most money-making female of the decade or something. Well, you think about it. Between the the fashion sponsorships, the spokespersonships, the photo wait, spreads, wait, wait, wait. the she was royalties. Named what? She made the most money of any actress this decade. Uh, wait, I, I don't know if actress, that was it. Okay. I think she was part of. But you know, I wasn't some, sure about how that was was uh, you know you know brought together because I mean, was she part of like the deck? You know, like the Potter films as a whole have been just an right. extraordinary yeah. billion dollar empire. You know, well, I don't know, I don't know if don't the, know. that she made the most money is the accurate thing to say. I think they said that she's maybe it was teen she actresses. Was, she was the don't most know. like valuable. A contributor, like actress or something, to like the most money making franchise or something in the decade because it wasn't Dan to win the mail, it was Orlando Bloom because he was part of Pirates of the Caribbean and sure. Lord of the Rings. Right. And so he oh, won yeah, for, that for the mail. That was not so. Johnny Depp? Oh, yeah, right. He, he was in the Lord of the Rings. Beat Johnny yeah. Depp, yeah. So it wow. was. Uh, yeah. That's kind of. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know that he's done many other films that have been that high of grossing, obviously. So I don't know. Yeah. No, and those are the two two of the major two major yeah. trilogies. You know, yeah. really amazing. But Crazy. I'm sure that they'll 
continue to do well. We wish them well, I'm sure. that. But they're still got a lot of time yet. Got two movies yet to come. Still oh, be no. able to see them. No panic. <laughs> There's still hopefully time for people to get hired before they get fucked, to get let go yeah. after this. Right? Truly. Let's Truly so, I think. crossed for everyone who's still trying to get over there. Well, they still got a lot of filming. They're going through May, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of post-production, so. Crazy. Totally. Um, speaking of someone else at the end of the uh, year list, our favorite author is has been voted by the Times newspaper, which is probably one of the top. I want to go out and let say top ten. Joe Rowling, <laughs> she's been named their, one of their top persons of the decade. Um, she's number six. Um, Who's beautiful one, two, write-up. three, four, five? Well, I know Mr. President. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being stupid. I know, I, they have a uh, our president. Our current president is number one, but. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't sure. Know. It's just remarkable that all these end of the year lists, though. I mean, Harry Potter's been on just dominated on so many levels, you know, like on Amazon, this, you know, the sell, um, just the sales for, you know, Deathly Hallows was just, you know, all these in the movies, you're in the top 10. It's just amazing, you know. But it's nice to see that Joe was recognized as some of these influential people we've lived with for the last 10 years. So, yeah. yay. I saw her on this list. Um, uh, I, I think it was L.A. Times or somebody uh, was doing like a like a bracket for the most influential person of the year or something. <laughs> and um, right right now it it came down to it's coming down to like uh, President Bush versus Osama bin Laden. But oh like, really? At, at one point, like all of like the major tech people, like the heads of Google and the heads of Facebook, and, and more than the guy from Apple, really. Steve, wow. yeah, Steve Jobs too. He was in there, and uh, and J.K. Rowling was in there, and she beat um, somebody to make it to like the second round, and then she lost to um, to Al Gore or something. I think. I think maybe she beat Al Gore. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that so troublemaking weird. Al Gore, just trying to save the world and stuff. Yeah, even, yeah. So come on, what what did you write? What? Yeah, exactly. What characters have you created? Wow. We've also seen Joe recently, though. She was just at the British uh, Comedy Awards, and she was looking just as beautiful as she always has. She presented awards. So we hadn't seen her in a while, so it was nice to see a photo of her, knowing wow. that she's still, she's still out there. Up. She's still living. She's not been <laughs> kidnapped or hidden away, so, which is really <laughs> great. <laughs> no. um, we did hear when this was our, our final story, I think, was um, um, – Many of us know that Dan Ratcliffe was to do a live screening of the Harry Potter and Hapla Prince. I know many of you like listen to our our version of it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was a lot of fun. But um, fun. Uh, Dan and the producer David Barron, because uh, David Jace was unfortunately ill, couldn't make it, but uh, they did the live screen. We have the whole audio for you now. If you've missed it and you don't have to worry about having a Blu-ray, you can go listen to download it and listen to it at home at your own. Wait, uh-huh. we have it, or yeah. Warner Brothers yeah. released it. No, we have it. Warner Brothers yeah. didn't release it. Wait, Warner Brothers no. did not release it. No, no, we we have it totally. Um, um, download it. It's are a we file. crazy? You're, you're allowed to have it. Oh, we are allowed to have yeah. it. No, we have no idea. We're we allowed until they tell us. No, I know that they're yeah. releasing it uh, eventually. This is how it works. We just kind of like do it what we think the fans kind of want, and then once in a while, Warner Brothers will email and be like. Mm, not so much yeah and then, and then we take it down but um they now, they are very cool about this stuff lately the only the only stuff that they don't like is when it's like a boot like obviously a bootleg like a like the cam version of the trailers and stuff like that right, yeah, right. Totally. now you know. it's it's daniel Radcliffe and who 
Uh, the producer's name is David Barron. It's uh, you know the, there's two producers of the film, big, yeah. big main producers, David uh, Heyman and David Barron. And David uh, it's not Barron filled in. No, there's three Davids. The three <clears throat> Davids they always joke about. You know, and, and now, David Yates is the director. Have you guys listened to it or no? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Is it is it more like interesting filmmaking commentary or Dan no. being silly? It varies. It's, it varies. It's a lot, a of, lot of stories. People are asking stupid questions. Yeah, it All was right. really weird how they selected a lot of the questions, but uh, I mean, we got we got some nice after. things, but we did get some new information about Deathly Hallows, and there had been a lot of rumors on the internet saying that the split of the two movies was uh, confirmed to be at this point, and the producer of the film and the star said the fi- the split is not decided. That's just the basic thing right now to get. You know, they don't really need to, not yet. I'm a little concerned it was not decided yet. I well, thought the screenplay would reflect where it got cut. I hope they'd be, well, I hope they'd be I writing it in. Well, I don't want I them think to rewrite to a new though. ending. Not a new ending. No. I just want them to, to know where they're going to cut it. But I guess I it's one story, start. so it's just it's, yeah. it's a cliffhanger. Yeah. I don't know. Not like there's I a just, natural ending in the book in the middle. No, but there's better places <laughs> to cut it than others. True. Yeah. Maybe they're deciding between like a couple different spots. Yeah, I think so. I think that they're just trying to reflect what it, how, you know, once the filming is all complete and they can put it together yeah. and they'll say, you know, this moment works really well cinematically, you know, because sometimes yeah. when you write it and you can act it, but when you see it on film, it trains, yeah, maybe you know, also creates another. Like, they're looking at runtimes too. Like if they predict to cut it on one spot and after editing and everything, it looks like, oh, it's only going to be, you know, an hour and a half part one and then like, a, you know, a three hour part two. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. That's Back true. up here. Emotions. I really I hope mean, that they're watching movies like Avatar right now at their over two hour in length movie, and, and people know love. that they can make some long ass <laughs> movies for us for Deathly yes. Hallows because people will watch. <laughs> people want it. Yeah, let's hope. Um, this is cool. Another cool tidbit, Frankie, that came out that we got a confirmation that the actors are going to play themselves for the epilogue. So that's, that's awesome. That's cool. You know, uh, that would have just really beyond bothered. Beyond bothered. What if they, they like yeah. some random actors for the last thing we ever see in the films? It would have been cool if yeah. they got their parents. <laughs> they got, like, I, don't know. Dad I mean, it's only nineteen years, right? Isn't that the, the? It's only nineteen years. I don't know. Nineteen years. It's, and in a wizard, well, how nineteen I mean, years is not for, for Warner Brothers here. They cast sixty-year-olds to play thirty-year-olds, so. Yeah. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, speaking of uh, older cast members, uh, Michael Gambon has not yet started filming, but he's going to be doing. I think it's safe to say, here's a little hint, tidbit, that he's going to be doing a lot of uh, pensive scenes with Mr. Rickman. Mm. I think it'll be very yeah. interesting. You mean, you mean he, yes. his, his ghost scenes when he's Yes, his ghost, ghost scenes when he's a, <laughs> he's, I'm a ghost. I come back as a ghost, don't I? That's wonderful. <laughs> I'm a ghost, blah, 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 a vodka dog. <laughs> Why are you naked, Harry? Is it naked time? Naked time! Yay! Well, that's all I got, so that's good. plenty. Plenty to have. That's good. What's next to Jay's? We're going to play some Filks for you. How do you like that? That Filks! And then we're going to do... We're going to do a little Potter Boom Dance. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And then some more Filks. Yay! Yay! Okay, see you later. You're a mean one, Voldemort. You really are evil.
You're as cuddly as a cockatrice. You're as charming as a ghoul, Voldemort. You're a basilisk with a creepy black skin. You're a monster, Voldemort. Your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of noggles, and you've got a fractured soul, Voldemort. I wouldn't touch you with a 39-foot probity probe. You're a vile one, Voldemort. You have wood lice in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick river troll, Voldemort. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick river troll. You're a foul one, Voldemort. You're a nasty, hinky punk. Your heart is full of potruckles, your soul is full of gunk, Voldemort. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Voldemort. You're the king of sin for scorn. Your heart's a dead rumpet topped with an exploding rhino horn, Voldemort. Your soul is an appalling rubbish bin, overflowing with the most distasteful assortment of blasted screw droppings imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Voldemort, with a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked jerky jockey and you drive a crooked crop, Voldemort. You're a three-decker boobotuber and stink sap sandwich with dark seaside sauce. Bellatrix was killed by Molly Weasley Threatening to kill Ginny in the hall Who knew that she even had it in her Blasted that witch into the wall She'd been taunting as per usual Murdered Tonk seconds before Though at her moment of laughter Molly went in and finished the chore. Voldemort was sure surprised that his mistress kicked the bucket. Little did he know that Harry would ensure that the same fate would be met. Bellatrix was killed by Molly Weasley, threatening to kill Ginny and the Hall. Who knew that she even had it in her? Blasted that witch into the wall. All the Weasleys were so shocked him. 
try to be happy for Fred. He'd want them to tell jokes and fight the battle until Voldemort was dead. Who gives a cauldron cake for Bella? She was evil at the seams. If it were not Molly's and Kay, Harry would have gone in her at any means. Any means! Bellatrix was killed by Molly Weasley, threatening to kill Ginny in the hall. Who knew that she even had it in her? Blasted that witch into the wall. The final battle brings its bruises, injuries, and killings rule. Families lose loved ones quickly. Bella continue to duel As we come to the end of the Song I must say it's a shame Bella tricks did have it coming And now it is the end of her game Bella tricks was killed by Molly Weasley Threatening to kill Ginny in the hall who knew that she even had it in her? Blasted that witch into the wall. Bellatrix was killed by Molly Weasley. Threatening to kill Ginny in the hall. Who knew that she even had it in her? Blasted that witch into the wall. All right, welcome to another segment of the Potter Pundits. We are back with a special Christmas segment for you, and as usual, author of Deathly Hallows Lectures, How Harry Cast a Spell, and a few other books, John Granger. Hi, John. Great to be here, Travis. Author of Repotting Harry Potter, James Thomas. Welcome, James. Thank you. Hi, Travis. Hi, John. And, hello, uh, hello. Hello, and I am the author of Harry Potter and Imagination. My name is Travis Prinzi, and we are here to talk about Christmas. Christmas has an important place in the plot of the Harry Potter books, uh, book by book, you never go through a Christmas without something exciting happening, usually something uh, important to the plot of that book. But I think as we're going to see uh, throughout our discussion here, not only to the plot of each book, but give some sort of foreshadowing or setup for the big payoff at the end with one of the most intense scenes of the book, which is the Christmas of, of the whole series, which is the Christmas of Deathly Hallows. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk a bit about that, but let's talk, let's back up first and just kind of talk at first about uh, Christmas is, is a setting. Um, James, you wanted to talk a bit about uh, Christmas, the Christmas setting and, and the weather involved and something as simple as the atmosphere created by that. Why don't we start there? Yeah, I think this really caught my attention uh, upon rereading because I've lived in California for almost 30 years, Southern California. And uh, you appreciate an author who creates the weather, Christmas slash weather, to be almost a character. Uh, and, and whether in Scotland or in London at Grimmauld Place or wherever, it is cold. Uh, weather is, is a factor. I, I think I say somewhere in Repotting Harry Potter, where I live now, weather, if personified in a play, is a bit player with very few, if any, lines standing hat in hand at the back of the stage. Weather 
in Harry's world is is like a bad leer, a raging actor leer, <laughs> center stage screaming at you, whether it's a bad Quidditch day or whatever. So this is so much a part of the Christmases, the the claustrophobic setting, the the cold creeping in through the corners. Um, another thing about setting and atmosphere with regard to Christmas, it it marks time. It's a major watershed, uh, break breaking point, milestone in the academic year. They look forward to it, look forward to the few days of vacation, look forward to seeing each other and be re- being reunited when they all come back. Um, I like the way it, it affords us a smaller cast of characters who've remained at Hogwarts uh, during Christmas in those books that they do, which means no classes, no quidditch, no, no crowds, no complications, and important things can happen involving sometimes just a few people like the polyjuice caper and so forth. And, and one more thing comes to mind. The, the treatment of Christmas is overall I think enables us to see an 11-year-old child's Christmases evolve. Here, here's a child who was denied the thrills of Christmas for almost a decade, denied a decade of gifts and anticipation and excitement when he was dursleyed out of his Christmases for, for all that time. And then he begins to get and to give gifts, great and small, uh, from mismatched socks to, uh, to the firebolt and the annual Weasley sweater. And readers get six good hairy Christmases, and as he gradually gets this part of his childhood back, and and Christmas is revealed and and restored to him, and he's among those, uh, not those who had to raise him because they had to take him in, but he's among those whom he loves and who love him, and yeah, what what reader doesn't feel? In fact, almost feel compelled to 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 say out loud, "Merry Christmas, Harry." He he deserves it. He finally <laughs> experiences Christmas. And it's interesting that Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the movie, gets shown every Christmas. It's it's yeah. sort of become a Christmas movie because that moment is so potent. I think people feel it. And it's not it's not a Christmas movie start to finish, but every Christmas season that movie gets played because that moment I think is so potent for for viewers well, and for readers. <clears throat> But Isn't that wonderful? You know, kids, most of us remember well waiting every day of December, you know, and we, we wait 23 or 4 days for, for the magic, and Harry unwittingly has waited, again, almost a decade to experience that that uh, entitlement of, of childhood. Always winter and never Christmas, but he, I mean, he <laughs> yeah. um, the point that James makes about Christmas being a, a character, and it being, you know, a dark character, the, you know, the, the Lear on steroids, that that um, I think points to the fact that while Harry has some warmth around his Christmas and he does receive gifts and there's there's a there's some kindness to it, still almost every one of the Christmas seasons is disturbing as much as anything else. And and we get the beginning of that you know, that isolation where he's he's no longer with the whole context of the school or whatever. But if we go through. Um, all of the um, Christmases and, and just roll through the books. I think we see that there's there's a, there's a, there's adventure and there's darkness. I mean that mirror of Erised scene where when he gets the invisibility cloak and he, he runs off to see the mirror of Erised. That's a crusher at first. I mean, that's, that's 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 yeah. He gets to see his family and everything, but he, he almost gets broken there. And it's it's critical to the the whole books what happens in front of that mirror. Then we have the the apologies potion, the mistaken identity. Things aren't what they seem to be. At, at Hogwarts, uh, then we get the um, the, the fight in, in Prisoner of Azkaban between Ron and Hermione. Make Christmas, you know, uh, I think Travis's expression is kind of thin. And then, then the Yule Ball, we have another fight with Ron and Hermione, and Hagrid's identity is revealed. Uh, and Phoenix is, is Phoenix is, is the is the mad one. 
we get this, we, you know, the whole context of there being a Grimwald place is that Harry has been inside Nagini's head attacking Mr. Weasley. Um, it's, it's a frightening thing. They, they visit St. Mungo's. This is a, a, a bizarre thing. And the, and, the, and the only family Christmas he has is at the Weasleys and Half-Blood Prince. And it's not a happy, right? I mean, we have we have them fighting about you know Snape's identity and and whether he's he's the good guy or the bad guy. It's it's just like Christmas is supposed to be. There's a light mm-hmm. shining in the darkness, but as as you said, James, you know the weather and the and the environment is it's cold, it's isolated, it's kind of scary. I mean, there's there's a light shining, but it's cold and shiny and kind of scary, and that that brings us the Deathly Hallows, which is you know. And that's exactly it. She, she doesn't do anything really overtly religious. She's not telling the nativity mm-hmm. story. But she's giving exactly. us the feel of that same story. I, I argue that, uh, that there's, a, uh, there's, there's almost a Christmas to Easter pattern, almost a liturgical calendar pattern happening from book to book where something exceedingly important happens. In Christmas, it's a dark event. There's some light that shines in the darkness, like you're saying. But, and then it leads to eventually that Easter, that symbolic death and resurrection Harry goes through from book to book, and then, of course, to the ultimate event in the final book. So are, are we? Are we? You know, are the pundits throwing it out here as a thesis <laughs> that the Christmases a are setups for the sort of Easter? You know, Harry dies in every book in the presence of a symbol of Christ and rises from the dead. You know, in, in three days in Philosopher's Stone. Or mm-hmm. I mean, she's not being especially difficult about that, but those all seem to be setups for Harry's. Faux death and resurrection um, after he goes into the Forbidden Forest and, and returns from King's Cross. That's, that's the big setup for Harry's victory in Deathly Hallows. Are the Christmases then setups for the Christmases in Deathly Hallows? Is that the. Uh, I mean, she said, uh, Mrs. Rowling said in a, uh, an interview that the scriptural passages in the Godric's Hollow Graveyard epitomize the, the meaning of the entire series to her. Are we getting in all the other. Uh, Christmas is pointers to that Deathly Hallows scene. Yeah, I think so. Start from the first to the last. You've got you know you get the twins throwing snowballs at the turban. <laughs> it's a it's a boyhood activity. It's fun. It's Christmas, and yet look at the ominous implications They're of hitting that. Hitting the by back of his head, yeah, <laughs> exactly by books in, and also a very frosty Christmas. The visit, I mean, Frosty, the very use of the word, Frosty the snowman, Frosty's a happy word, dashing through the snow, and the the frosty relationship, the icy coldness, the cruelty of what Percy does to his mother and the rest of the family, and that ominous conversation that takes place out there in the snowy garden between uh, Harry and the minister. Light and happy and traditional Christmas things are going on simultaneously with very, very serious, dark things. And and great setup there in those conversations. Conversations about Snape, those difficult conversations about Snape, where uh, Harry makes the comment, "No one's that good an actor, not even Snape." Yeah. In the Christmas, yeah. <laughs> and then the other comment he makes, the great comment he makes, is when he says uh, that my dad used Levi Corpus on Snape, and by the end of the book, Harry also is using Snape's spells against him. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. great little setups within the book, but I think John's right that that each book does then point yep. to the, the darkness of of Deathly Hallows, and maybe it would be best to do it book by book and, and explore that. Does that sound good? I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorcerer's Stone, the main events of Sorcerer's Stone, of course, are Philosopher's Stone, as I prefer to call it, I think most people do. Uh, the Invisibility Cloak, uh, the Mirror, uh, and the whole interaction there, and his family. In what ways do do these point to the final book? Well, I'd, I'd suggest, for starters, that the, the Mirror 
at least is is very symbolic of the Hallows itself, Harry has to face the same dilemma with the mirror as he does with the Elder Wand. He has to know about it, know what it does, so that he will not use it for himself. And and using that device properly ends up defeating Voldemort. So there's a setup there. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's great, but there's a more obvious one in that the mirror of Eris said points us to the, the, where Harry looks into it and sees his identity in his family, you know, what he, what he wants and what he desires. And then he sees himself at the end and when he transcends that image when he, to do it, the right thing to get the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. And in, in Deathly Hallows, we get that mirror fragment where he sees the eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that is his identity. And he denies it at, at book opening on, on Privet Drive. And then he denies it again at Christmas. He, he denies uh, Dumbledore and Dumbledore's love after you know, his, his wand is broken or whatever. He, he says that Dumbledore never loved him. Uh, no. and, that, and, that's, and that's the nadir. That's, that is the depth of the Negretto in the seventh book. Um, and it's, it's really a consequence of that mirror. And Harry's refusing to see that who he really is. And, and we know who he really is because we've seen what happened to that memorial in the Godric's Hollow Common. Mm-hmm. Transform itself on Christmas Eve and do effectively a crash. Um, mm-hmm. We we see you know we see the loving family and the, and the you know the hairy child if you will the, you know, the Christ child is there and no one no one mistakes this. This is Christmas Eve. The snows fall. This is a Dickens moment. Harry's and Harry Harry recognizes himself there, but he doesn't get it and he doesn't understand those scriptural passages. Harry, you know, he, this is in a way Harry's. Um, I mean, every great hero's journey has. The trip to the dead. Odysseus makes it. Aeneas makes it. Dante, of course, makes it. Um, and, and, and they go to the dead to get answers to their questions. They've got answers. They got, they've got questions here. They're trying to find Matilda Bagshot, but they wind up going through the kissing gate, which is a, a portal, and they, and they wind up with the dead. And the dead give them answers. Harry gets the, the scriptural passages that Rowling says epitomize the meaning of the whole series, and he doesn't have a clue. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, you know, is that, is that something a Death Eater has said? Right. Um, I mean, he really turns the thing totally on its head. And the wording there uh, is that, great because he doesn't he doesn't respond properly or, or as, as he should with the right information. And then it says the lights of the church went out, and then the, and then they walk out, and then go into this whole uh, and they meet the serpent thing. Yeah, exactly. Meet That's the right. And, right. And, the serpent and waiting to devour the you know the prophesied vanquisher of evil, um, which is which and, is I think imagery from Revelation twelve and the dragon waiting to devour the, the Christ child and all that. But go ahead, John. And, and that's that I think is Rowling's. This I mean this outside of uh, the Silver Doe may be her most brilliant piece of work. Is that this combination seem in the graveyard and then with the, the with Nagini in, with Batilda Bagshot? Is that she combines here? Well, most obviously she combines Christmas. Christmas Eve specifically, the darkest night of the year before the light that illumines all men comes into the world. Right? This, is, this is the darkness before the dawn. This is the mm-hmm. darkest time. She combines this with the alchemical negretto, the, the, the first stage, the black stage of alchemy, in which Harry has, as the, Harry has the, the stone that's being shaped here. Harry has to be broken down, has to be just uh, totally dissolved and dissolute. Everything has to be taken from him. All of his sense of identity has to, have to be broken down. And she links that with Christmas Eve in a way which is absolutely brilliant. I mean, she shows, you know, as you said, the, the light in the, in the church goes out. Harry's clueless about what these things mean. Hermione's trying to do He denies um, that his parents that there's any life after death. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that he has to learn before the end. You know, of course, who, who takes him into the Forbidden Forest? You know, his parents walk alongside him in the Forbidden Forest. There's no doubt that there's a life after death when Harry goes to meet his own death. And yet in the, in, 
in this graveyard scene, he's terrified of death. Um, he wants to join his parents. He wishes it was all over. And it's, it's as low as you can go. And then, yeah. we have, and, and then we have his confrontation with the serpent, the breaking of the phoenix cord wand, and his denial of Dumbledore's love. And we are at the very bottom, ready to start coming out of it, ready to begin the ascent with the silver dough and, and Ron's return and the reintegration of the trio. I mean, it, but, but we have to be totally broken down at the darkest night of the year, Christmas Eve, when Harry sees the death of his parents in Voldemort's mind. It's, it's really, it's, you, you think to yourself, gosh, this is Christmas? You know, this, this is not being Crosby, right? I mean, nobody's hunging, you know, jingle bells <laughs> during uh, a rolling trip through this, but it's so powerful. I mean, she captures, she, she links, like you were saying, and as you wrote in Harry Potter and, and Imagination so well, that, that, that she links Christmas and Easter and that you have to be broken down, you have to face the dragon at Christmas so that you can, uh, you know, the stone can be rolled away at Easter. Mm-hmm. Uh, really magnificent work. And, and we were talking about book one. Yeah, no, just book one. <laughs> now, the book two pointer might not be quite as, quite as complex. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, one more thing. Go ahead, yeah. One more thing about book one. Uh, we started with the mirror, but what about the invisibility cloak? What does Dumbledore give Harry when he gives him that? Something uh, his father's. It, it's, his father yeah. had worn this. Had been under it that tactile proof that mm-hmm. that James Potter was that he existed and that private moment that Harry seeks that's beautiful too. Yeah, and it was the first time really that he could choose to go alone somewhere, yeah. you know. Yeah, and he he didn't take Ron with him that first night. He chose to go right. alone. And where does right. he go? Yeah, he goes to the to library. <laughs> oh, that's right. The restricted section. That's the first place he goes. Yeah, <laughs> Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> <laughs> right. On to the next book? Yeah, Chamber of Secrets. What's the pointer there? It seems obvious enough if we're talking about this uh, polyjuiced Hermione and Harry walking into uh, Godric's Hollow. Uh, the pointer in Chamber seems obvious enough. Mm-hmm. That, that's, the, that's the book in which they first do polyjuice potion and head at down Christmas. The, at mm-hmm. Christmas time into the common room of the, of the bad guys. And just like they're going into the... You know, the Godric's Hollow, where Hermione expects to be attacked by the Dark Lord. I mean, it's it's uh, a clear foreshadowing of what we're going to see in the last book. And only two of them go. Um, and at first it's Harry and Ron in Chamber of Secrets, and, and now it's Harry and Hermione. Oops, this is a little off the subject of Christmas, but does Polyjuice ever really work as uh, ideally intended? You know, they don't get the information from Draco. Uh, they, they are seen as muggles looking at the... Potter home, um, the seven Harrys, you know, it's um, Hermione doesn't even transition. And if her plan to say that, who is it, Pansy or somebody didn't decide to go home, I mean, that, that, that these are not good plans with Polyjuice. <laughs> and they don't seem to get that lesson because, you know, in the fr- chamber, we've got exactly. this tiny supply of it that took months to brew. Right. <laughs> Deathly Hallows, they've got flaskfuls, they've got, va- you get the idea they're tapping out of kegs, you know. That's yeah. Much of that <laughs> By goblet, it's it's yeah, it's definitely something you can buy at the right aid. You know, <laughs> prisoner. So, prisoner. Um, what do we got with prisoner? We got, we have we have Ron and Hermione separated again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're they're fighting over the fireball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that's that's really the first agonizing separation since the fight with the troll. Um, I mean this this is uh, the first painful look at what life is like without when you know when Ron and Hermione split, and that's. That's really the context of the of the the Negretto in Deathly Hallows. Is again, we had, Ron's gone. Mm-hmm. The, the, the goblet's goblet's kind of a freak show. Goblet, goblet is a happy time, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, go- uh, Goblet's got the. Well, this is the only one where it's not a quiet Christmas. This is loud. This is everybody's there, and there's a yeah. there's a there's a concert. There's a there's a dance going on, and there are three different schools there, and. We yeah, do have we do have a split we do have a split between Ron and Hermione there we have the famous row where Ron really you know pretty much all but says he's in love with Hermione Hagrid's Hagrid's thing is only kind of the only dark moment at Christmas there is that we get Hagrid's identity is revealed mm-hmm. that he's mm-hmm. half giant and that causes some repercussions but Christmas in uh, the fourth book isn't that dark an event here is this this maybe the singing inside the church or whatever there's, there's a happy there's a happier side to that. Uh, time. Is this the setup for how dark it's about to turn? I mean, she's not making it quite as dark at Christmas because this is the first book where Harry doesn't win at the end. The end of this book, oh. Voldemort wins. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Good point. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's a trick. Yeah, <laughs> it's if, a if setup. You're rest yeah. of Christmas, it's going to yeah. be a good one. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's good. That's yeah. good um, because that is it is the turning point. It is it is where the yeah you know, what they call it, the chasmus, right? I mean, this is where she turns the corner um, on the whole series. How fitting that the Christmas there is is uh, a happy, pointing us at the disaster at the end of that book and really the disaster of Christmas and Deathly Hallows. Which is perhaps a little nicely foreshadowed when McGonagall says, we're all going to let down our hair. But she doesn't, really. <laughs> <laughs> As she says, yeah. with her hair still in the tight mud. <laughs> Although when Hagrid gives her a kiss in, in Philosopher's Stone, she blushes at Christmas yeah. time. <laughs> we get something good out of her. Right? And her I, hair comes about... down in book seven. And, well, and and book five's Christmas is like everything in book five. Um, Order of the Phoenix Christmas <laughs> is a grim old place, but you know Mr. Weasley is there in a basket. Um, you know he, they're happy that he's recovered, but look, the guy's got snake bites all over him. And Harry has finally realized there's something really, really wrong. That trip inside, you know, his conversation with Sirius at uh, Grim Old Place and stuff. He's He's one messed up puppy at Christmas time in Phoenix. Yeah, definitely. And and, uh, and, and that again, that's that's where we see the first snake attack. Yeah, um, that's, that's, and that's, that's 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 the clearest pointer to Deathly Hallows. I mean, maybe she's gotten to the point now where she's already laid out her her Christmas scene in Deathly Hallows, and she's really trying to fill it in. But but it uh, that that scene in Phoenix that takes us out of Hogwarts back to Grimald Place and life with the Weasleys. Um, it's the scariest thing that happens to Harry, maybe in the whole book. You know, when he mm-hmm. when he doesn't know who he is, and he and he thinks he may be what's killing people. I mean, that's that's got to be a terror moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, he, very isolated and, and over that Christmas as well, because everybody's staring at him. He won't talk to anybody. Finally, Ginny talks him out of it and talks some sense into him, but um, very very isolated in that in that instance. Also, what, what's one of the worst possible places to be on Christmas Day in the hospital? Yeah. And you've got you've got Mr. Weasley's getting better, but you've and you've got the comic relief of those people domestic dispute type things, the people coming in with hands out of their chests. But but you've got Gilderoy, <laughs> and it's still a little comic relief. But then uh, Neville's parents, mm-hmm. yeah, oh. and that's the most unfunny thing Harry's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Sturgis, we have this setup in Sturgis there, and that's yeah. um, Sturgis is about to be killed by his plant, which is delivered. You know, what it's actually. You're right. Boat's, you're right. boat's about to be yeah. killed. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But his plant's delivered right there. Yeah. In front of them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as you said, there's comic moments there with, you know, Gilderoy talking about his, his loopy handwriting. Uh, <laughs> but between the bubblegum wrappers and the, and the mm-hmm. plant that's about to eat Boat, I mean, this, this, this is yeah. not your happy. No. Uh, so, Prince. Half Blood Prince. 
at the at the borough again. Yeah, I I found that. I mean, it was supposed to be the happiest time because he's with, he's with family, he's with friends, all you know, everything's friendly, and yet I found that like the most depressing Christmas scene of the whole series. I mean, well, I mean, obviously, Deathly Hallows is almost is is mythic and it's and it's thing, mm-hmm. but the. This was depressing. The, the radio, just the radio thing with Mrs. Weasley and the songs that she's listening to annoying uh-huh. the, you know, the fiancé of... I mean, annoying that, everybody, that really. Mr. Weasley falls asleep. and <laughs> He's horrible. Fleur <laughs> <laughs> uses the same word for Celestina singing and the uh, maggot in Harry's hair. Both are horrible. <laughs> What did you guys think about that scene? Was it was it was it really just comic? I, I, it seemed like it was a depressing family kind of. It is what Half Blood Prince is. It's a it's a back and forth of these comic moments with these really dark moments. And to me, the most difficult thing of that entire scene, that the Christmas of the Burrow, is uh, when Percy shows up but doesn't really want to be there, and you get this hope from Mrs. Weasley, oh he's come back, and then you find out it's all just a game that Scrimger's playing, and that's that's hard to take. To you know you know that Percy's a prat. And uh, you know that he's he's got these issues, and you hope, and he's really going to come back. And we don't get it until the end. It ends up being a great reunion at the end. But, but boy, what a what a painful thing for them to go through on Christmas and, and, and morning. James, and James oh, said, yeah. we've got that scene with the minister outside, where Harry finally really makes it clear he's not the minister's boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a pretty it's it's you know, Harry the post adolescent. He's really standing up here as a man, as a Dumbledore man, saying. No way. I mean, I think Dumbledore actually weeps when he hears about this yeah. scene later. I mean, this this is uh, Harry finally saying, "This is this is where I stand," and it's it's a great moment. But at Christmas, yeah. I mean, hey, I don't know about you, but I don't I don't tend to you know stand down the the equivalent of the of uh, the president of the United States or whatever in, in uh, at my Christmas party. Yeah, you try to avoid uh, political discussions at Christmas if you can. I mean, who wants yeah. to get into those at Christmas? And here's Harry saying, "You people never get it right, do you? No matter what side of this thing you're on, you never get it right." And, and Percy, what a low point for Percy! I yeah. mean, oh, yeah. what a feather in his cap to to bring Harry the mascot around for the ministry, you know? And oh yeah, and see the folks, by the way, and drop by his house. But of course, he doesn't go home. But you know, we just appreciate even more Percy's uh, return mm-hmm. because of that. I think. Yeah, yeah it's, awful it's a great scene for Percy. What is it? Six people claim to have thrown vegetables at him. <laughs> <laughs> so what did we hit the pointer in Half Blood Prince to the last book? What's the pointer here? Well, with the whole the whole context of Harry's uh, being at Godric's Hollow is that he has gone rogue from the, the time and he has stood down the Minister of Magic and said, "I'm not with you, boys." Mm-hmm. Dumbledore's um, man through and through. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And when that when, he's basically declared the context of. Mm-hmm. Um, all that goes on in Deathly Hallows, which which makes the uh, the Deathly Hallows Christmas that much more dramatic, because at the end of the Deathly Hallows Christmas, he's saying, "Never mind, I'm not Dumbledore's man. Exactly. He never loved me." Yeah. That's right, yeah. and, and that and that that is of all the lows that Harry gets in the books. His wand is broken. You know, his Phoenix core is is, is shattered. Um, it's not totally broken. He's kept the fragments in his little Mokesman bag, but he his denunciation of Dumbledore. He never loved me. It's so profound. He decides, that, you know, he's turning his back on this, you know, white-bearded man in the clouds or whatever. It's it's as low as you can go. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, to, to link that message with Christmas and the darkness before the light comes into the world, I, I think is is uh, one of Rowling's signatures and, and a brilliant one. 
All right, well, there you have the Potter Pundit's take on Christmas in the Harry Potter series. Uh, the uh, Christmases from each of the books set up the big Christmas, uh, the intense scene with Matilda Bagshot and the graveyard and Nagini and all of that happening, uh, Harry's lowest moment in Deathly Hallows. We welcome your comments, corrections, and questions at Pottercast.com. We can't wait to have discussion with you about this there, so we hope you'll come on over to Pottercast.com and discuss this with us. And for more information on the Pundit, visit us at potterpundits.com Three drops of potions and whiskers of kittens, dull pewter cauldrons and cobbling concoctions, black eggs of dark season, bags tied with streams. These are a few of my favorite themes. Green-colored beesaws and cliff scarab beetles, wormwood and monkshood and bunches of nettles, festivals that fly with the moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite themes. Boils with white tusses and red oozing gashes, mandrakes that cry in my folks with green rashes, dungeon chilled winters and black beetle wings. These are a few of my favorite things. When the dog bites, when the scroots sting, when I'm feeling mad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel. So Green-colored beezors and scarab beetles, wormwood and monkshood and bunches of nettles, festivals that fly with the moon on their wings. These are a few of my favorite things. Boils with white pusses. Boils with white pusses and red oozing gashes. Mandrakes that cry in my folds with green rashes. Dungeon Chilpinters with Black Beetles These are a few of my favorite things When Fluffy bites, when the scroots sting When I'm feeling mad I simply remember my favorite things And then I don't feel so bad
Previously on Albus Potter and the Founder's Fountain. We've been looking for something to do with Helga Hufflepuff. It could be a magical object or, or a spell. Creature knows of no magical objects, whatever. Can show Hufflepuff's scrolls. Well, at least we know now we've only got Ravenclaw's thing to find. This Sin Cordance charm or whatever it's called. The charm won't do anything on its own. We've got to start working on the fountain again and figuring out how it all fits together. We've got this key that's not a key and some kind of silver belt buckle. Well, do I have to suggest everything around here? Honestly, you're both completely useless. I don't have to stay here and listen to this. You can't give up now. I don't give a damn about your stupid quest. I've had enough. sitting by yourself again. Shut up, James. Ignore me if you want, but don't think I haven't noticed. Noticed what? This is the fifth day in a row you've had breakfast on your own. I don't know what you're talking about. Rose has lost her happy face, and you're just scowling at everybody. What's going on? Come on, you can tell me. Tell you what? What have you done to upset her? What makes you think it's anything to do with me? Just leave me alone. No can do, I'm afraid. We're all sick of looking at your miserable face. It's depressing. Maybe I just don't like you hassling me all the time. I'm not having this conversation out of choice, you know. I got stuck with the job. You can go back to sit with your own friends. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. What's happened to your other friends anyway? That wimpy little Slytherin and that Hufflepuff kid. Maybe they got sick of your voice as well. Being a little git isn't going to make me go away. Do what you like. I don't care. You'll care when I answer Mum's letter. What letter? It's the third one, actually. Getting really sick of it. How's your brother? Is everything all right? Is he eating? Blah, blah, blah. On and on and on. She keeps forgetting to send me the latest Quidditch monthly. I tell you... It's seriously disrupting my life. Just give me something to tell her so I can get her off my back. Nothing to tell. Okay. Then I'll just tell her about you and Rosie falling out. If you do, I'll beat you up. You beat me up. Good luck with that. I'll curse you then. No, you won't, you prat. Because first you'd be expelled and then Dad would kill you. Besides, I don't know any curses. I know loads of things you don't. Of course you do, little brother. Want to bet? I know things about this castle nobody else knows. Whatever, Al. When are you going to stop acting weird and stop being normal again? All right. You win. I give up. Good. Can I get my breakfast in peace now? Suit yourself. And... And you won't say anything to Mum, will you? Depends. What's it worth? James, don't. Fine. Only if you make up with Rose. Can't stand looking at her with her face like that. It's not natural. All right. That's settled then. Send over that last piece of bacon, would you? Forget about it, Al. I'm just glad we can get on with the quest again. What about Scorpius? Have you spoken to him yet? You must be joking. We can't trust him. But what about the sorting hat? Didn't it say there should be one of us from each house? 
I don't see why it matters. We should never have brought a Slytherin into it in the first place. I don't know. Maybe you're right. I wish it was all over. Don't you? The quest, of course. It'll be wonderful if we succeed. Hogwarts will be stronger and it'll be thanks to us. I suppose so. Don't you ever wish you'd had a normal year, though? I can't wait to get home. We are going home, Al. In less than a week. I wish it was for good. You mean, not come back to Hogwarts? I don't know. Forget it. I'm just in a bad mood at the moment. I don't know what's wrong with me. Everyone's on the edge at the moment. It's just the Quidditch final. Has someone been picking on you? I'll fight anyone who has a go at me. No. I just can't stop thinking about this quest. I'm wondering what's going to happen if we fail. You know, Al, you can always talk to me. Or Layla. I know, but... Oh, I get it. It's not us you want to talk to. Yeah. Sort of. Boys are so silly. I don't know why you and Scott can't just sort this out. I'm not talking about him. I meant... I meant Dad. I know I'm going to see him in a few days, but it'll be too late by then. It's not too late, Al. We can do this. I know we can. You don't get it, Rosie. Dad would have figured all this out in his first week. I can't do what he did. You don't know that. Look, Al, you can keep on being stubborn about Scorpius, but we need to finish this. I know. You'll talk to him then? To Scorp? No way. I told you. We can manage without him. Oh, for heaven's sake, you're a stubborn git sometimes, Al. No, look, Rosie. I've been thinking. Dad always had your mum and dad to help him, didn't he? That must mean three is the best number. Maybe. But this is different to anything Uncle Harry did. The hat said it would take four of us, and so did Hufflepuff's diary. The hat said itself it doesn't know anything. As for those founders, they never even tried. They just gave up when old slimy Slytherin slivered off. You mean, you think we should try and cast the spell without Scorp? It's got to be worth a try. And what about Gryffindor's key? Oh, don't worry about that. I worked it out. By yourself? Well, not completely. I had a bit of help. You mean you asked someone for help? Finally, who was it? Oh, only Professor Crumb. Professor Crumb? Wow, that was brave of you. Not specially. He's not so bad when you get talking to him. So, what did he say when you showed him the key? Well, first of all, he got really excited and wanted to hang on to it. But I said I was keeping it for Professor Longbottom. What happened then? He sort of shrugged and stumped off down the corridor on his wooden leg. I thought he was furious. But then he turned round and barked at me to hurry up and follow him. Where to? The library. He went straight to a shelf in the restricted section and signed a book out for me. I thought Madame Pince was going to burst a blood vessel. Then what? We went to his classroom and started looking through the book. He had to turn the page with his wand because it kept trying to transform. It was weird. One second he'll be reading, and then there'd be the sheep running around the room, and you'd have to transfigure it back into a book again. A sheep? Oh, of course, parchment. It didn't take him long to find the spell he wanted. He just showed me the incantation and wand movement, then just shouted at me until I got it right. It was pretty cool. The key sort of hummed in this weird way. You mean that was it? Nothing else? Professor Crumb muttered something about usual precautions applying, but he didn't say what they were, so it can't be very important. But humming sounds like it'd be quite a powerful spell. He did ask where I was keeping the key, but when I told him it lived in one of my socks, 
He seemed quite happy. Honestly, have you still got the book? We ought to at least check. Madam Pince would only let me keep it for one night. Great. Stop fussing, Rosie. I'm sure it's fine. He'd have said, wouldn't he? If it was dangerous. I mean, he is a teacher. I suppose so. So we're all sorted. Oh, so we're nearly there, Al. When shall we do this? We need a time when no one's going to notice we're gone. I hate to say it, but the best time's going to be Saturday morning, during the Quidditch final. Oh no, is there no other way? Can you think of one? I suppose not. But let's get this straight. You're going to cast Gryffindor's spell. And you'll do Ravenclaw's charm. Which leaves Layla to cast the binding spell. Do you think she'd be all right with that? She'll have to be. Oi, Malfoy, get over here. What is it now, Sniff? I need you to get my broom from the common room. Zabini and me are racing down to the Quidditch pitch to get the best seats. Get it yourself. I'm not your house elf. Hey, get back here, Squirt. Who do you think you are? I'm Scorpius Malfoy. Who are you? Listen to the little wimp. He's a Malfoy. Like that's anything special. Go and get my broom, Squirt, or it'll be the worst for you. What's that supposed to mean? It means do as I say, or I tell everyone exactly how pathetic your family is. Go right ahead. I couldn't care less. Got nothing these days, have they? No friends, no money. I've got a better broom than you, Smith. And you want to talk about no friends? Hasn't your dad just won most hated wireless presenter in Witch Weekly for the third year running? Yeah, it means everybody knows who he is. That's power and influence, that is. What about your dad? Isn't he some sort of level six drone at the ministry? I heard he doesn't even have his own office. Shut up. Ooh, look, it's Ickle Scorpius going to cry. No wonder, with a dad that pathetic. And what about the rest of the family? Remind me, how did they escape Azkaban again? Begged for mercy, so I heard. Bunch of cowards. Sir, sir, over here. What is this? He hit me, sir. Fighting? Without wants? Now this I cannot believe. Professor Longbottom, your assistance, if you please. What is it? Another fight? What, what's wrong with people this week? I do not know. I've had to break up three already today. So, uh, how might I help? Malfoy thumped me, sir. It's not fair. Students have been punching and kicking each other as if muggles, not wizards. What is correct punishment? <sighs> well, docking house points can be quite effective at this stage of term, I find. I do not understand. Students are from Slytherin House. We play Quidditch final now. To take house points would be, how you say, bad uh, uh, Tactics. You try to make Gryffindor the advantage, Professor. Well, if you say so, Victor. You wanted my advice. Uh, Dormstrang, for such terrible offense, a head professor would decide punishment. Oh, she won't thank you. It's ten minutes until the match starts. As umpire, I start match in her place. She really won't thank you for that. Malfoy, you go to headmistress' office now. She beats you and you not fight again. But, sir! Are you quite sure you want to do that, Victor? It seems a bit harsh on young Scorpius. Decision is final. I must go now. Professor Longbottom, it's not fair. It wasn't just me. You heard your head of house, Scorpius. Don't make it any worse by answering back. 
Go on. Off with you. Come on, Cyril. I'll take you to see Madame Pomfrey. You can stop crying now. Um, Sorting Hat, can you hear me? Slytherin, first year, Malfoy, Scorpius? Yes, that's right. It's me. To what do I owe this unsought interruption to my slumber? The headmistress got called away to sort out a bigger problem than me. Called away again, alas. I am curious to know what occupies so much of her time in recent days. Tell me, have unusual events been taking place? There have been a lot of fights, I suppose. I don't know if that's unusual. The professors are all in a really bad mood. I know that much. That's the reason I'm stuck in here just as the Quidditch final is getting started. Elaborate. It's really unfair. I hit someone else in my house, but he started it, and he didn't get into trouble at all. Ah, now I perceive. You are here because you are dissatisfied with your sorting. Am I? Have I misinterpreted? You have not come to plead? What for? Like a transfer to a different house or something? Is that allowed? If it were, would you want to move? I don't think so. It'd be like... I don't know. Yes? Like letting them win or something. Let me see if I understand. You have not yet vanquished your enemies in Slytherin House, and therein lies your difficulty? It's just one enemy, really. And I can handle him. Why, then, have you woken me? I... I don't know, really. In that case, I must ask you to kindly leave me in peace. I have deep philosophical matters to consider, and a mere three months before I must perform my next song. You were asleep a minute ago. That is beside the point. Wait a minute. I do know why I'm here. I wanted to tell you it's all your fault. My fault? You and your stupid quest. I don't follow you. You know, the wild goose chase you sent Albus Potter on? The one he dragged the rest of us into. Are you, perhaps, referring to the task of seeking out an ancient spell? One that will repair any remaining damage to the fabric of this castle, while helping to cement unity between the four houses for the foreseeable future? Yeah, that one. I see. You are one of the four. Not anymore, I'm not. You are here to tell me the task has failed? I suppose I am. What has happened to the other boy? Don't ask me. I'm not his keeper. He's in danger? Cursed? Dead? Calm down. It's not that bad. He's watching the match, I expect. But you are not with him. No, I'm not. And it's all your fault, like I said. He's obsessed with this task of yours. I'd had enough. Please, explain. Well, we had this fight. Another fight? Oh, that's right. Go ahead and blame me as well. Everyone else does. Albus Potter can't do anything wrong, but I'm a Malfoy, so I must be no good. All year long I've been showing up to build fountains for him, not to mention eating at his house table and getting all kinds of stick for it, and I never said a word. Oh, never mind. What's the point? What would you have said? It's all right for him. He doesn't have to live in Slytherin House and face Smith. Your enemy? Yeah, and it was all for nothing in the end anyway. You believe the task to be without merit, or perhaps impossible? Of course it's impossible. We're just kids. 
Rose acts like she knows what she's doing, but she's got no idea, really. Neither has Al. It's going to blow up in their faces, and there's no way I'm going to be around when it happens. I see. You have abandoned them to their folly. You could put it that way. And what of the fourth? The fourth? Oh. Layla's still helping them. She even talks to me sometimes, which is more than Albus does. Anyway, I saw you sitting there, on the shelf, and I thought you should know all about the trouble you've caused. I regret it. Is there nothing I may say to convince you to rejoin your friends? Al isn't my friend. Not anymore. And even if I went back, we still can't finish your task for you. I don't know how to work the spells. You mean you have found them? Oh, yeah. Didn't I say? Then you must complete the task. Easier said than done. You are so close. Please, I beg you, finish the task. Do it quickly, before it is too late. Pat? Huh. It must have gone back to sleep. Might as well take it off. It's sweltering under here. This is so unfair. How long am I going to have to stay here anyway? As long as it takes, I fear, Mr. Malfoy. Who said that? It was I. It says here you used to be Professor Dumbledore. A most acute observation. People say you were an amazing wizard. Do they really? How very flattering. I was talking to the sorting hat just then. Indeed. Did it have anything of interest to say? It wants me to do something. It seems to think something bad's going to happen otherwise. I have always found it best to pay attention when the sorting hat gives a warning. Well, I don't want to. I want to go and watch the Quidditch final. I bet Professor McGonagall's forgotten about me and is out there already. I might as well just go. Do not be hasty. What has the sorting hat asked of you? Perhaps I could be of assistance. I'm not sure you can. I think I have to do it myself. Then you must be uniquely qualified for the task. In what way do you suppose? Well, not to be rude, but I'm, you know, alive. Indeed, that is quite specific. I suspect, however, that there may be something more. Think again. I'm a Slytherin, I suppose. Were you a Slytherin? No. When I lived in this castle, I was not a Slytherin. Maybe that's it, then. I believe you may be right. Severus, speak up. You are needed. So I gather. Can't it wait? The match is going exceedingly well. Do you know what's happening? Can you hear the score? When the snitch is caught, I am confident that Slytherin will be a thousand points ahead. Cool. Severus, meet Scorpius Malfoy. Scorpius, in life, this man was... It's okay. I know who he is. Marvellous. I can go back to listening to the match. A pity Gryffindor is being flattened. So, Scorpius Malfoy, what have you heard about me? I've heard a lot. I'm just not sure how it all adds up. I know the books say you were a great wizard. But you do not think so? My granddad calls you a traitor. He says it's your fault the Malfoys have gone down in the world. Indeed. Which... which one is true? Both. 
What is it you need from me? If you're an enemy of my family, I shouldn't ask anything from you. Not even information? Well, all right. I suppose that can't hurt. You were head of Slytherin House, right? I was. So maybe you can tell me what this is. That. That is Slytherin's insignia, of course. Insignia? You mean like a coat of arms? But it's different to the one on the school gates. No, not a coat of arms. This is our founder's personal monogram. Oh, you mean like the ones Dad has embroidered on his handkerchiefs? No doubt. The item is goblin-made, I believe. A highly skilled piece of workmanship and believed to have been of great personal significance to Salazar Slytherin. It is said that he wore it on his cloak. So it is jewellery. Rosie's mum was right. To whom have you shown this item? Oh, no one important. Just this girl I know. Rose Weasley. It was her mother. What was her name again? Something weird. Never mind. Where did you find it? It has been lost since before my tenure as head of Slytherin House. Oh, I can tell you that. Phineas Nigellus Black, you know, the man who lives in the blank portrait over there, it was him who lost it. I found it in his old house, underneath the floorboards. <laughs> he told me to give it to Professor Crumb, but I didn't see why I should. I'm more of a Slytherin than he is. Quite. Now you have it, what do you intend to do with it? I'm guarding it for Slytherin House. When we get a proper head of house, I'll give it to them. I approve. Guard it well, Scorpius Malfoy. I'm going to ask my dad about you. You seem all right to me. Your father was a student of mine. No way! What was he like? A very good student. Popular. A leader. Really? Wow. Professor Snape? Yes? There is one more thing you could help me with, seeing as I'm here. Go on. This insignia thing, it's part of a spell. That much is obvious. You can tell. I can as yet recognize magic when it is in front of my nose. The item appears to enhance a straightforward spell of binding or restoration. I need to know how to use it to join three spells together. A simple enough task. Nevertheless, caution is appropriate. The correct procedure must be followed exactly. Have you studied Defense Against the Dark Arts? I did okay in my end-of-year exam. Then you will, of course, know the four-point defense. Um... It is basic principle. What are they teaching them these days? <sighs> A number of distinct spells, when combined to be greater than the sum of their parts, must be worked in precisely the right order, and with the required safeguards in place. What are the spells that you are combining? Well, there's a charm. Charms must always come first in the sequence. They are complex spells and yet stable. The foundation, you might say. Then there's something called a trigger spell. It's got an object with it too. A bit like this one. Only it's made out of gold. That would be a transfiguration spell. Highly volatile. After it is cast, you will need to bind the spells immediately. Okay. I can do that. That is not all. You will need a fourth component to hold the three spells in balance. Hence, 
four-point defense. But that can't be right. We haven't got a full spell. You misunderstand. The presence of an additional wizard or witch will be sufficient to maintain the other spells. The final complete spell, if correctly cast, will be one of almost infinite endurance. I see. Uh, just one more thing. Go on. What would happen if the extra person wasn't there? You know, to balance the spells? If you can't work that out for yourself, then you are not fit to be in Slytherin. It, it could be dangerous, you mean? That would depend on certain variables. Given a commonplace combination of spells, experienced and qualified wizards might get away with broken wands and burned fingers. Otherwise... I thought so. Thanks very much. I have to go now. Glad to be of assistance. Who just scored then? Was it Gryffindor or Slytherin? Don't either of you care? Not in the slightest. Concentrate, Rosie. This is more important than Quidditch. Okay, you stand there, Layla. Why? Does it matter? So we're in a circle, all right? Three people does not make a circle. We should get Scorpius. Well, we're not. And that's that. And I wish you'd stop harping on about it. <sighs> did you know that boy in his house has been bullying him again? No. How did you know? Did he tell you? He didn't have to. I've seen it. He curses Scorp's belongings and banishes food off his plate. Gosh, that's awful. Al, did you hear that? Shouldn't we do something? Smith shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Scorpius can take care of himself. He left us, remember? But... He's on his own. Now can we get on and do this? Who's going to begin? Um, let's think. Trigger first, I suppose. Sounds good to me. What do you have to do? It's pretty straightforward. First I place the key onto the object to be transfigured. Put it in the gap in the stonework, like Leela suggested. Good idea. Now I do the spell. Mobili Astro. What's that noise? It's hurting my ears. Albus, what does that spell actually mean? Professor Crumb didn't say. He'll be fine. Let's just get a move on. Rose, now you. Layla, get ready. I... I don't know if I can. I feel a bit... strange. Al, can you smell something now? Yeah, like burning metal. Leela! What's wrong with her? I don't know, she just fainted. I can't wake her. Al, what's happening? The walls are shaking. Help me get Layla underneath the fountain. Quick! Albus, what should we do? I'm going to try and stop it. Finite! Help me, Rosie! Finite and Cantata! It's not working. Look, we have to get out of here. Lily needs help. Oh, it's too dangerous. We won't get as far as the door. If we don't go now, the castle will break apart with us inside it. No, we're safe here under the fountain. Not for long. I have to find Professor Crumb and get him to reverse the spell. But Al, everyone's at the Quidditch final. Please, don't cry. I need to think. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm ready now. What are we going to do? Rose, listen to me. When I say go, you're going to make a run for the door. What about Leela? I'll bring her. Merlin! She weighs a ton. Wait, I can help. Guardian of Leviosa. Okay, I've got her. On my count. One, two... Wait, who 
you sat by the door? Don't tell me. Scorpius. What's he doing? No! Stop! Get back, you idiot! Too late. I'm here now. You might as well put Layla down. We're not going anywhere until you listen to me. I don't give a damn about anything you've got to say. What do you think you're doing here anyway? I went to look for you down at the pitch. When you weren't there, I figured you must be here already. Well, come on then. Haven't we got a task to finish? You're too late. It's over. It's too dangerous, Scorp. No, listen. I know what to do. So do I. We need to go and find some real wizards before I completely destroy the castle. Let's go. The castle's empty, Al. It's up to us. Listen, the castle doesn't sound angry anymore. It's because I'm supposed to be here with you. It's true. You have to believe me. How do we know we can trust you? Because I talked to the Sorting Hat. And afterwards, Albus Dumbledore and Severus Snape told me what I had to do. This is all my fault. I should never have left. No, you shouldn't. But I shouldn't have bossed you around. And I should have listened to you. Forget it. Well, it's about time. Leela, you're awake. Are you feeling better? Much better now that we're all here. Are we going to get started now? Can you stand up, Layla? Of course I can. What do you need me to do? Just stand there and... I don't know. Concentrate on the rest of us getting it right. Rosie, have you done the charm yet? No. Albus went first. What was wrong? We'll have to start again. Al, reverse your spell. I tried. It didn't work. Try again. Veneti incantatum. It worked. Okay. Rose, you first. Go ahead. Cordiale concordatus. Now you, Al. Uh, all right then. Mobbly astral. Okay, now it's my turn. What did you do with Gryffindor's key? I put it in there. You should put Slytherins in the same place. Yes, do. Okay, there it goes. Reparo. Wow. Look at that. The gold and silver are melting together. That's not all. Dark. Gosh, is everyone all right? That is one powerful spell. The walls and ceiling are as good as new again. I had no idea that was going to happen. I've only ever used it to fix broken twigs on my broom. Wait. What's happened to the fountain? Oh no. Where's it gone? Did we make a mistake? Hang on. It could just be the spell. Maybe it takes a while to finish working. I don't think it's coming back. I must have gone wrong somewhere. It was me who messed things up in the first place. Or, this is what was supposed to happen. Perhaps it was never meant to be a real fountain. It could be worse, I suppose. At least we stopped the castle from falling apart. And we did it without anyone finding out. Thank Merlin for that. I'm in enough trouble with McGonagall as it is. I'm going to have to tell Professor Longbottom I've lost his key. Shall we go and face the music together? Might as well. Sounds like the match is still going on. There's the feast to look forward to afterwards. And going home tomorrow. I wish it was tomorrow now. Oh no, that sounds like the end. Good. We can go straight into the feast. What's that? In the middle of the entrance hall. No way. 
It can't be. Wow, it's huge. It's gorgeous. Oh, Albus, look, we did it after all. I'm going to get a closer look. It's like the water's all different colours, but it's just the way it's flowing through the glass. House colours, like the hourglasses. Hey, Al, just the look at how many points Slytherin have got. We must have smashed your lot into the ground. Just you wait. We'll get you next year when I'm seeker against you. Seriously, you're going to try out for the team. Yeah, why not? I'm going to drink some water from the fountain. Lily, you can't. It's not a common drinking fountain. What's common about it? Anyway, there's a cup here on a chain. So there is. Hey, there's a plaque next to it. What does it say? It just says, "Please rinse after use." Definitely Hufflepuff's work. Hurry up! I want some. Who's that man with Professor Longbottom? Dad. Oof. Good to see you too, Al. What are you doing here? Lesson planning. I've got those advanced defense against the dark arts classes next term. Remember? Uncle Harry, I don't believe you. You came to watch the Quidditch final, didn't you? I think you've been rumbled, mate. I should have known. Nothing gets past Rose. <laughs> Is Daddy here too? Afraid not. He couldn't get away, but he sends his love. Tell us about the match, Mr. Potter. What was the final score? You mean to say you missed it, Scorp? You walloped us eight hundred to seventy. Fantastic. What's this new installation then, Neville? I don't recall seeing a fountain in the entrance hall last time I was here. It's a recent addition. Wasn't here this morning. Complete mystery. Something to do with this lot, do you think? Well, I can see why they made you head of the order department. <laughs> It's kind of a long story, Professor. Well, it can keep in that case. This place is going to be overrun with starving students any second now. Hey, why don't you four go into the great hall? Get a head start. I thought you'd never ask. See you later, Uncle Harry. Um, Professor, before I go in, I need to tell you something. Go on then, make it quick. I don't have your key anymore. It, it kind of vanished into the fountain. Oh, really? Well, I expect it's gone for good then. I'm really sorry, Professor. And. And for taking it in the first place. Well, it seems you've found its true purpose. Like I said, it was never mine to begin with. We'll say no more about it. Hang on a minute. Albus took something that didn't belong to him. Is this something that I need to know about? Go on now. We're done here. Can I, Dad? Neville's the boss while you're at Hogwarts. Go enjoy the feast. We'll see how things stand when you get home. I knew something was up at Christmas. Should I be glad that you didn't tell me then? Don't be too hard on him, Harry. I reckon he's had a tough year. Something to do with this fountain? Well, we knew the four of them were fascinated by the old corridor we uncovered during the renovations, but the castle seemed to be on their side, so we rather left them to it. The outcome is what you see here. Very decorative. Must have been designed by whoever was responsible for the prefect's bathroom. I expect we'll piece the story together eventually. Minerva's hosting drinks in her office after the feast. If you want to stick around, she's already asked me. I have a feeling she wants me to ask Ginny to come and coach the Gryffindor Quidditch team next year, with Victor on staff. We're definitely heading for a losing streak.
Well, why don't you? You could leave that whole catching dark wizards thing behind you for a bit and embrace your true calling. A sabbatical. Excellent idea. I might just do that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I should thank you. Al seems much happier than he was when I last saw him. You've done wonders. Oh, there's no need for thanks. It's not my doing, actually. He's looking better today than I've seen him all term. Ginny's not one to fuss, you know that, but she's been a bit anxious. We both have. Uh, that was my main reason for coming up today. I guessed as much. I was going to see if he wanted to come back with me in the car, try to find out what was bothering him. I clearly don't need to do that now. I suspect a lot of it was to do with the Malfoy kid. They had some sort of bust-up. Well, no sign of it today. Best of friends, by the look of things. Is that all right with you? Mm, only sometimes, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I can live with it. Shall we all sit together? Why not? Everyone else is mixed up. Yuck. That horrible Cyril's sitting at the Ravenclaw table. Oh, picking their brains about some revolting scheme, probably. Just look at that black eye. Nice one, Scott. If no one minds, I'm going to grab that seat next to Fred and Louis. I'm dying to hear about the match. Come with me, Leela. They'll squash up a bit if we ask them nicely. Yes, all right. What was that about? Lola doesn't even like hearing about Quidditch. She likes looking at your cousin Louie, though. Oh, right. It's just us two, then. Where shall we sit? Let's find your brother. I feel like bloating. No, look. He's with the team and all the Slytherin players, too. No room for us. Well, get a move on. The staff are all looking at us. I don't want McGonagall to notice me. Dad's waving. Hey, Dad! Great. She's bound to have seen me now. Come on, there's loads of space at the back of the hall. What? You mean at the slivering table? Got a problem with that? Nope. Makes no difference to me. episode of Albus Potter and the Founder's Fountain features the voice talents of Matt Armstrong, Susie B, Michael Beckett, Antosha C, Caroline Fonseca, Eric Lessinger, Izzy Martin, Stacy Morano, Rachel Proudfoot, and Kenneth Schneer. It was produced by Angela Hohenstein, Becky Maturo, Joe Mativier, Rachel Proudfoot, Kevin Toma, and Christy Thede. I want an acromantula for Christmas Only an acromantula will do Don't want a troll A stupid crystal ball Because an acromantula's the best gift I recall I want an acromantula for Christmas I don't think Dumbledore will mind the you won't have to use an owl or the flu Just ban 
finish him right to me That's the easy thing to do I can see me now on Christmas morning As my apprehension ends Oh, what joy and what surprise When I open up my eyes And see a giant spider spinning webs I want an acromantula for Christmas Only an acromantula is fine no blast ended screws. An acromantula is the gift that really suits, and the acromantula will be mine. Ron says the spider would cause a giant fright, but an acromantula would bring me pure delight. is the gift I would adore. I can see me now on Christmas morning ending all my dread. Oh, what joy and what surprise when I open up my eyes to find a giant spider lying by my bed. I want an acromantula for Christmas. Only an acromantula will do. Hippogriffs or blast ended screws. An acromantula is the gift that really suits, and the acromantula would love me too. You know what's so annoying is that we asked for people to tell us what their favorite parts of 2009 Pottercast was, and I think probably like three out of five responses have been. The time Frankie was all, Mom, 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 a snake! <laughs> like, really? So much more this year than that. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> we went on a whole tour. We released a movie. Holy cow. We can just yeah, cut that out. It's really funny. We're not though. cutting it out. I mean, it's going to be in there, but. Ah, I'm a snake! It should be like, you know, three of the top ten. Just randomly <laughs> thrown in there. And then that one time Frankie was all, Mom, 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 a snake! <laughs> I am funny. So how's everybody? I make jokes. How's everybody's Christmas plans going? Good. I've been in Ohio. It's been snowing. It's been gross. Well, it's not been gross, but it's been snowing. But then I'm well, going back to California. That's good, though. Don't you have nephews? I do, and snow? they are awesome. And but they've been sick because they've gotten Aww. colds. So oh. feel better, Jack and Charlie. Oh, they're so cute. Isn't it funny how you get a cold and you have a fever so you're warmer? Why don't they call it warms? Mm. Oh. Then it sounds like you got all, like worms. That's kind of weird. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> worms Thanks is a whole different thought. disease. So did you guys bury your, get unburied from the snow in New York and Detroit? Or did you get much snow snow? Snoo. No, we hardly got hardly anything. <laughs> did you just say snoo? Say snoo. <laughs> snoo. <laughs> snoo. <laughs> Nope, we hardly got anything. It's so weird watching the news and watching, you know, guys, you guys out west, or east, I'm sorry, yeah. get so much snow, and so we just much. have, I mean, usually Detroit gets clocked, but nothing. Well, as long as <laughs> Detroit dusting. doesn't get clocked uh, any time uh, before I leave, then I'm cool uh, with that's it. That's true, so you're flying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, go away until I'm gone. Yeah. How long will that snow last, Melissa? Well, 
it'll be on the sidewalks for a couple days, and then it'll melt a little down, and it'll turn to ice, and then that ice will be around for like a week. And, and then it'll go away. But we're, it's supposed to the, snow again on Friday. <laughs> it reminds me of the Powder Pass Lost in New York trip. Oh, oh that was fun. Was Does so that count fun. as 2010, because it came out in 2010, even though we taped it in 2009? It came out in 2010, then it's a 2010 event. I mean, like, it won all of the YouTube awards, the Mashable it did. Awards. It in did. 2010. Wait, wait, wait. It, it came out, Wait, it doesn't count as 2010? I mean, 2009. It came out in 2009. No, nine, nine, right. Nine. We taped it in 2008. It came out in 2009. That's what Yeah. Because we taped it in 08, but it came out in well, it was yeah, real close to the 2009. It was really I close. I can't believe it won Best Miniseries on YouTube <laughs> for a podcast-related event. Uh, what, what about your guys' Christmas plans? you got anything going on? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Frank, if you want to say anything. I don't know. This will be hard for me because it's my, my, my first since my mom. But I'm going to be hanging out with my, my dad and my family. We're just going to be... I think we'll we still do our beer tasting test even, too. You know, we oh, nice. cool. That's a fun thing to do. <laughs> How many different beers do you think we'll go through? Well, I don't think we'll meet last year. One year we had 88 beers. Which what? Was- <laughs> what? That's not possible. Oh, you yes, it is. If you spit? Um, a lot of times you just take a little sip, you know, and then we have a dumping glass, you know, like a big, uh, one of the oh, big, like. Pooty. You dump it out. You try it. But, uh, you know, shooey. I'll tell you what. How much did that cost? How did you find 88 beers? Do you collect them Uh, throughout the year? Yes, yes. And we have... uh, Oh, that makes it much more or less intimidating. Yeah, Yeah, my dad is like really... uh, He helps microbreweries. What if they expire if you buy them too soon? You know what? This will make you... Well, one of the things we do is drink at like a Christmas ale and we do like a line tasting, they call it. And we'll drink one of the beers from the year before and compare it to see how it's... weird. And it, it doesn't hurt you, believe it or not. It's not. Oh, sure. I don't recommend that you go and buy old beer all the time, but uh, it's kind of nice, you know. Born on date. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> well, yeah, but these are microbrews. That'd be I cool to a, drink beer that was born on your birthday. Ooh, that would be August twenty fourth, nineteen eighty one. Maybe like a bottle of wine from your birthday. That would be kind of cool. Depending on the bottle, not a beer. Yeah, that would be good. What about you, Frankie? Um, we're, I'm going out to my aunt's house and. I was awesomely enough, lucky enough not to be scheduled on Christmas Eve, so I can actually go up That's there all great. day. So I'm very excited. Aww. And then we're going to do our, our traditional Christmas stuff. Like every year, we do a cookie contest and decorate cookies. Ooh. And I have yet to win the cookie contest ever. Who, Always who between. Does the cookie That's ridiculous. Contest. My aunts and my mom. Who are these terrible people not giving you? The... How could you not win a cookie contest? No, but because the other people are that much better at decorating pastries than me. My aunt, my cousin Shannon, was really good, and my brother Brandon. He, it's always between them two. Really? One year, last year, I got really close. I was in the top three, but then they picked the other ones, and I was like, Is "Yeah." It anonymous though, like you don't, they don't know who the who made what, right? They just yeah, we don't. It's anonymous. Cookie. We don't know who made what. So <laughs> to ward against the massive politics and bias in Fresh Family, yes, <laughs> the bias in my aunt's the kitchen, the nepotism in the in the cookie competition, and then. Um, that's such a cool That's tradition. Funny. Well, like most of my Christmas traditions consist of like whose house we're going over to when and what meal we're eating when. Yeah. That's that's that is my holiday. Eating? What time do we have to be at Aunt Rosetta's? What Frank time is, is dinner? All, like, arts and crafts. That's like And not and like fair. the true meaning of Christmas and we're all like who's making the calamari and who's yeah. <laughs> <you> yeah. know, <laughs> that's, that's my Christmas. Who got who for the gift exchange? How, who's bringing the seventh fish? On, on, on Christmas, oh how my much, God, so much! How much fish. do the gift cards have to be? Minimum and maximum. 
Come Wait, on. Wait, you have an aunt named Rosetta? Yeah. That's awesome. Does she yeah, translate Rosetta? things? Does she uh, what? She is, oh, does she tra- frack? <laughs> Wait, did you say you're having calamari? Calamari? Oh, oh always. There's really? Always What's bizarre? Always. Um, my, my, my uncle takes exquisite joy in taking the live lobsters and throwing them into the boiling water. Oh, I, that's so <laughs> Every funny. year, he For does Christmas. It. And <laughs> you can, awesome. he's like, look, you can hear them scream. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so awesome. And what's great is the fact that they grow vocal cords just for that one moment. I know. I know. I guess nobody gets, they're not screaming. There's, there's, they <laughs> do not. But he would be terrible with us when we were young about how the lobsters were screaming. Oh. <laughs> and then, well, my and then some, and my grandma used to steam fish for my grandpa, like these big red fish, and he, she would just steam them. And so it looked like a fish just freshly plucked from the ocean. And my grandpa used to like stab the eye with a fork and pluck it out and bite <gasps> it in front of us. No. Like, That's why I'm, I have such an aversion to fish to this day. I'm like, Ugh. if it doesn't look like fish, I'm good. I'll try it. But if it looks like a fish, I'm like, nope. No, I don't play. No, no. If something comes out looking like a fish, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I cannot. I'll eat almost anything, but if it looks like its original structure <laughs> of its anatomy, I'm like, um, can you mutilate that a little bit for me, please? What about ribs? Can you mutilate it a little bit? What ribs about freak me out a little bit. Ribs freak me out a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know if I could handle ribs anymore. What if hamburgers looked like little baby cows? You know, this is one of the things I'm going to miss the most. And you're going to say, why is Sue going to miss this? These random, (laughs) completely (laughs) tangent things about ribs looking like baby cows. I mean, who knew that when you talk about Harry Potter, that this would end up on, you know, this kind of stuff. (laughs) I just love these conversations. Mm -hmm. They're just... And and I'm going to say a miss because my news is that I have... um, it's a hard decision, but I am leaving the Leaky Cauldron, and I am leaving Pottercast. It is uh, it's something I've been thinking about for a long time, and I'm leaving with just the best, best possible thoughts. And I have much love and affection, especially for these three people that you've that have joined us through the show and through these years. And, and I want to say, for these last five years, I guess we've been doing this, have been just very special times for me much laughter much love and i want to say thank you to melissa especially for everything and i've been so proud to be part of leaky and to john oh my god you know i remember when we started doing these potter casts and i thought now who is this you know i really didn't know i did know these people but uh trying to uh <laughs> Uh, you know, do these first couple shows have been just amazing. Um, one of my dearest treasured memories was meeting both Melissa and John that very first time. Um, we had the sign. Yes, we had. They had a Hufflepuff sign. Oh, and then, right. oh my god! The airport. It what was. Year was that? Oh my god! Oh, I, I don't that, know. It was the first time you guys were both in New York at the same time. Uh, what was that? Two thousand six. Was that for the Goblet of Fire premiere? No. Was it? It, it, yes, it was, was 2005. Was late 2005, yeah. It was November 2005. I can't even... You know, that leaky mug that we did and everything. And <laughs> John, oh, of I mean, of all people, was right there on the spot when I got to see Jason Isaacs and went flying down the hill and uh, <laughs> <laughs> tackled them at the bottom of the stairs. And it was just <laughs> unbelievable. Oh. And, and I never thought that... Uh, you know, this podcast would go on and we would get to do these amazing, extraordinary things. And, and you know, I've just, I didn't know that we'd ever go on tour and I can't even, I can't even begin to that. And then we were made more complete with the addition of Frankie. I remember clearly the day that we met him. I just, you know, it's one of those moments when, 
you just you meet and you and you just feel that instant connection to somebody. I mean, who's just not only a Potter fan but like loves Friends and just put up with my squeen over the Gilmore Girls house when we were on the tour <laughs> for the, you know. That was fun. And it was just, you know, you know you have one of those moments, but I have a lot of uh I have been so lucky to be uh be part of this and thank you so much for for those of you who have been patient and endured my squeen and I'm I apologize for the damage done to your ears and uh we'll allow it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that day, you know. I that mean, I can't even. It's so funny, I, you know. And this is one to say. I have people are, you know. I, I don't know. I don't want there to be sadness because this is a good thing. I've, I've got to go on to do other things. I have loved doing the news, and again, you know, thank you for letting me do that and bring that to you. I'm not perfect, and Lord knows I'll never be able to say poof soule right, and that will just never happen. But poof soule. Um, what is that river yes. that you can't pronounce that you offended oh. all the people? That- <laughs> Oh, oh, the Thames. The River Thames, but I said Thames oh, or something like wow, that. And it was that, just... That was and as soon as week. I corrected myself, but no, you can't... I mean, I knew no, as no. soon as I said that, I said it wrong, but no. It was like, oh my God, you know, the end. The world is ending, you know. It was a dark week, that was. Dark week. <laughs> you know, but uh, thank you for everyone for that have uh, led us into your hearts and into your ears and into your part of your routine here with the Harry Potter fandom for these last many years and thank you for allowing me that privilege I I really uh, I'm truly grateful for, to have worked for everyone been a part to be associated with so many great people at the Leaky Cauldron and, and to the listeners who have been so kind and readers and um, I, this is a chapter I am most very proud of and I have nothing but gratitude and great respect and I'm very humbled and I'm sad too, but I'm just so hopeful for the future. But you know what I've learned? If one thing I've learned, you know, it was really obvious the conversations we've had here through the moderators and everything on and through the past years that, and all the great Potter talk, we've talked about like different things that Joe had uh, written. And I remember talking about the room of requirement or one of the locked rooms in the Department of Mysteries. And we talked about that power of love. <laughs> And it lives in each one of us. And this is what we bring to this fandom as a group. And you're saying, oh, God, here goes the Hufflepuff thing. And I love the Hufflepuffs <laughs> because we all do bring about bringing it together. But I really believe that. And that's that force that is unbreakable. And you can always find that. You find that joy. Don't be afraid to squeeze. There, I said it. Even my friend Brian Malfoy <laughs> squeed at me. And uh, I want that on a T-shirt. And, uh, you know, you can always find that joy. Don't be afraid to find that joy, whether it's in this fandom or whatever else you do. I mean, life is so fleeting. And so fast, and I have been. Thank you for letting me express my joy, and uh, uh, I wish you all nothing but the best. And I'll still be around. I mean, my goodness, I'm not giving up on the theme park, or you know, I'll be watching those movies. That's for sure. So, well, uh, I mean, I, surely you'll be listening. Uh, you'll you'll be, <laughs> remain a subscriber at the very least. <laughs> thank you, John. Thank you, yes. John. I'm going to miss all the awesome segues, and I'm going to miss all the random house elf um, and dollish. <laughs> Yes, oh my goodness, to God. each other, to you and John, but I will, I will, for the sake of the circumstance, mm-hmm. concede that after all evidence has been produced, Aww. after oh, all no. uh, we've heard from Joe and numerous other sources, I will concede that it is possible. <laughs> it is possible that uh, Helga's bringing the house elves into Hogwarts was not quite what one would consider enslavement. Um, <laughs> Not wow. quite. So that is an, that is Pottercast an awesome moment right here. This yeah. is awesome. That is, you know, remember this. It's history, everybody. Remember oh, this. Possible. Thank you, John. That's a that beautiful gift. Go down uh, in uh, me. 
I, if you're I, gonna I, wake up like a week from now and realize what you've done. <laughs> if I wake up tomorrow morning and my skin is turning a little yellow, I'm gonna be a little nervous. <laughs> I think it's so funny though, just thinking back, like Sue was talking about all these moments. It's like the show's been going on for like four or five years. I don't even know. Three years, four years. Seems like a long time. And all of these moments, all these things that we've done are all still there, like, in these recordings. Like, it'd be so, such a mind trip to, like, listen to them all back to back and just hear, like, the progression of everything. This is yeah. crazy. It's been well, So you've done a fabulous job over the, over the past few years, and we're going we're gonna to miss you, but we understand and support your, your journey forward, you know, and that's, you have to, you have to honor what goes, what's, what's good for your life, and I'm glad that you have the ability to do that, and we're here, you know, it's, nothing's ever goodbye, so. I just can't believe how big an offer you got from MuggleCast. I, I mean, know, I for real. I have accepted it too, I don't blame you. Whatsoever, those GoDaddy ads, those are lucrative, so I do not... Yeah, you should and you should see the private jet they threw in. So I swear, the they, they painted it yellow and black. Making a, making a hole. <laughs> well, thank you, Wolf. I really appreciate that. That was very, very nice. Yeah, I've I've had a great time and I've been honored. And I I'm hoping that there'll be a new adventure. And and I do intend to stay in touch with these these fine people here that you're listening to and uh, and everyone you can always find me at my blog I'm not just disappearing yeah. off the face of the earth but uh, right. you know uh, thank you again and I'm well just... if there's ever any big moments in Hufflepuff or House Elf things that yes. hit the news and you need an expert <laughs> opinion then we know, we know where to find you here yeah and I'll be more than glad to give it to you as you well know <laughs> tell you about go Hufflepuff be proud Hufflepuff <laughs> oi all right. Well, was there anything else we had to hit on here, guys? I'm going to follow that. Oh, Christmas books, of course. Um, all the ones who didn't hear on this week's show, we're very sorry. We have a lot to cram in this week to get them all up here before Christmas. But all of the rest of the Christmas books will be up at podcast.com for you to download. And uh, we'll even give them to you individually um, so you can put them on your iPods hey. and Zooms if you're so unfortunate. Oh. Uh- also, um, please please send in your favorite moments from this year on Pottercast um, yeah. to staff at Pottercast.com. We are going to be using that heavily to compile our New Year's show. La, 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 do it! Yeah, and, and note, note to everyone, there's more that happened this year than Frankie talking about being a snake. <laughs> <laughs> That's come in a lot, huh? As yeah. hilarious as it was, it's like every other email. I think I think you like talked about this on your blog or something and forced people to email this in. No, I did not. <laughs> I haven't been. I need to. This year, my blog has suffered. So, for all the listeners out there who like to look at my blog, I apologize. Next I have a year, blog now. One of my resolu- my New Year's resolutions is to be more active on my blog. Good show. Right, and on well, that note, guys, yeah, keep twirling those dials. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, what's your last <laughs> password? Last Make password. Mm, it's a hard call, but um, the last password will be love. Aww. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry New Christmas. Year to you. Since I won't be here, I love you. Happy Hanukkah. Bye. Happy yes, holidays. Happy holidays. We've missed it. Probably three. I confess myself disappointed. Now, if you
mind, I'm going to bed. Great, Scott, no wonder. Look at the time. We've been here nearly four hours. It's spooky how the time flies when we're having fun. <laughs>
Aged lady, bring the butter boy to me, dude sweet. He's an awful big pain. Aged lady, just pour Harry to you tonight. Aged lady, look in the Godric's hollow graveyard, not far. You want to see mom and dad, aged lady, just lure Harry to you tonight. Think of all the times I've missed, he's dodged every curse and a dementor's kiss. Next year I could be set for good, if you Check off my Christmas list Aged lady, you know the spot You'll go to that empty lot Where his house used to stand Aged lady, just do carry to you tonight Aged lady really need Harry I will kill him this time Aged lady Just pour Harry to you tonight Aged lady Take him up the stairs to your room His doom My snake will send me a sign Aged lady just lure Harry to you tonight Open up your neck, he'll see That you are another of my inferi I really do have need of you Let's see if you will work for me Aged lady, 
Tonight. Tonight. 